This is a throwdown, a showdown. Hell no, Rob Fay Nation can't slow down. It's gonna go. Hey everybody, what's going on? I'm Rob Faye. Welcome to your Tuesday edition of Sports Bar Radio. It is the third day of August and what a long weekend. If you are a sports fan, whew, you need to get your fill. I need to recap a whole lot of stuff. We're going to talk about the NBA where there's players going left and right. We're going to talk about the Olympic Games where all of a sudden Canada is fighting for gold. We're going to get into baseball and the Blue Jays all of a sudden becoming a contender in the American League East and so much more, including Marc-Andre Fleury putting on the black, red, and white of the Chicago Blackhawks. But before we get to all of the news of the day, let me get you to the one. Now, hold on a second. I don't know if I could do just one of these today. I think I may, for the first time in sports bar radio history, split this right down the middle. Let me get you to today's leads. We've scoured the globe for the stories that matter to you. Okay, well, let's be honest, Rob picks most of the stories, so maybe they matter more to him? Anyways, pull up a chair and let our bartender pour you a cold one because there's a lot going on in your world today. Okay, for the many highs and lows that we've seen with Canada at the 2020 Olympic Games over in Tokyo, uh, the struggles of the women's basketball program, the fact that the men's basketball program didn't even make it, the men's soccer team not even close to the Olympic Games, one of the true bonafide groups that I think we've all wanted to see breakthrough, push through, and dare we say fight for a gold medal, the Canadian women's soccer team, who on the weekend did this. VAR advising the referee to have a look. The penalty awarded and the penalty dispatched brilliantly by Fleming. A superb hit from the youngster. French guessing the right way, unable to stop it though. And then Canada had to defend and they did resolutely, brilliantly. And they were almost undone with this header from Carly Lloyd. She was denied by the crossbar and Canada through to the gold medal match amid wild scenes of elation and despair. So yeah, Canadian women's soccer is off to the gold medal game. It's the first time, I didn't realize this, it's the first time in their history that they will play for gold. And more than anything, people talking about atoning for the World Cup and not being able to get over the hump for 20 years. Bottom line is you can put that all in the rearview mirror now. Canada will play for gold against Sweden. And the road to gold has gone through some very formidable foes. There were no easy outs to get to this game, getting past Brazil and then their arch rivals, the United States. So Canada is here and Christina Sinclair, if they can win gold, you've got to wonder if this isn't the perfect swan song to an already unmatched career. Yes, I'm sure she'll play professionally and yes, there might be a few events that she'll take part in, but could you imagine after everything that Christina Sinclair has been through, to all of a sudden have the opportunity to go out on top. I'm not saying it's gonna happen, I'm just saying, you look back at her career, everything that she's accomplished, more than 300 caps, and if she could go out with a gold medal around her neck in a couple of days time, that would be the perfect way to go into the sunset. But again, let's talk about the team. Let's talk about the fact that she was passing off the opportunity to score the game's only goal. She just knew who the person was to get the job done. And she lets Jesse Fleming take the shot she goes low right and scores. It is the game's only goal, 
And as mentioned, Canada's gonna play for gold. What do you think of this? Because I've got two trains of thought on this. This all of a sudden gets our entire country interested in Tokyo 2020. With all due respect, I feel that these games haven't really gotten into the secondary fan base. It's been the diehards, the true sports fans that have been checking in on Tokyo 2020. But now that Canada, in one of the main sports, is going to the gold medal game, you've gotta wonder if this isn't the thing that will finally get the ratings up, that will finally get the interest around this country where it needs to be. And we can only hope for the best as Canada will take on Sweden on Thursday evening. All right, from the Olympic Games to the hard court, and it is a very big deal in Toronto. We kind of saw this coming, but now it's official. Kyle Lowry is no longer a Toronto Raptor. He has signed with the Miami Heat. It was the old sign and trade, and it came just minutes after free agency kicked off on Monday. A three-year deal worth $90 million. Toronto sending their prized possession to Miami, and they get in return point guard Goran Dragic, amongst others. And I don't even know if Raptors fans are sure if Dragic is going to be there come opening day. Hey, Kyle Lowry, 35 years old, he doesn't owe Toronto anything. And there were plenty of suitors for him. Miami, New Orleans, Dallas, Philadelphia, the Knicks. But he wanted to play for a contender. He's very good friends with Jimmy Butler. And that number makes a lot of sense. Now, Toronto, you might have seen this in the cards because when they went to the draft board, they took Malachi Flynn in the first round, 29th overall, and also picked up Canadian Delano Banton and David Johnson out of Nebraska and Louisville, respectively. 601 games, more than 20,000 minutes in Toronto. You can expect Kyle Lowry's number to potentially be retired at Scotiabank Arena. Toronto Mayor John Tory taking time out of his day to say that Lowry was the, quote, greatest Raptor of all time. He showed our city who we wanted to be, the fighter, the leader, the player who got your back and leads the charge, who takes the charge, who falls down and gets back up again and again. Okay, John Tory waxing on a little bit there. Uh, but nonetheless, Toronto is definitely in rebuild mode. And I can tell you this, it is a curious time to wonder if Masai Ujiri is going to be the guy that rebuilds this organization. All right, let's get to the rest of the news of the day, shall we? There's so much more to get to. The Toronto Blue Jays are believing that they are in fact a contender. News and notes from the NFL and Octagon coming your way. As we bring you into the one room that stores all of the sports in this sports bar, let me get you into the VIP room. You knew tonight was going to be a good night, didn't you? Guys, the ladies don't want you wasting their time, so get to the point. 10 topics, 10 minutes. Hold on to your drinks because we're about to bring you the entire world of sports before the DJ can pull out the vinyl for his next set. Welcome to the VIP room. Okay, so let's stick with basketball here because there is a free agent frenzy. And I know that all those sports use it, but in basketball, it truly is a free agent frenzy. And I'm not going to get into the dollar figures, aside from the fact that Trey Young is about to sign a five-year max deal worth $208 million. $208 million! Anyways, okay, so let's get to it. Lonzo Ball is gone from New Orleans. He signs and trades and joins the Bulls. The Bulls were actually busy in the East. They got both Ball and Alex Caruso, who agreed to a four-year deal. That's a pretty good upgrade for Chicago as they try to get a little bit faster and spread the ball around a little bit more. Mike Conley re-signs with the Jazz. He gets a three-year deal. Tim Hardaway Jr. re-signs with the Mavs on a four-year deal. And as mentioned, the Heat acquiring Kyle Lowry. That via the signage trade. And let's not forget the Heat were also busy with Jimmy Butler and Duncan Robinson, who both get new deals as well. Chris Paul turned down $44 million. Why do you say? Because he's going to get $160 million with the Suns on a four-year deal. Dwight Howard agreeing to go back to the Lakers. 
And the Knicks, they were busy. They signed four, including Fournier, Derrick Rose is back, Noel and Burks, and Blake Griffin agreeing to a one-year deal with the Nets of Brooklyn. And if you really want to stretch it out, former Toronto Raptors Norman Powell, he'll stay with the Blazers five years, $90 million. Gary Trent Jr. staying in Toronto three years, $54 million. All right, here's a math question for you. Let's switch to baseball very quickly. Do you think the Toronto Blue Jays are contenders right now? Six and four in their past 10, a series sweep over Kansas City a couple of days ago. They are eight games out of first place. They are fourth in the American League East, and yet there are a lot of people thinking that if this team can get into the wild card, where they are four games off the pace there, this is a team that you would not want to face. Their run differential this season is one of the best in Major League Baseball. They're plus 104. They've scored 530 runs. They just tightened up their pitching, getting Jose Barrios. And you got to think that if Toronto can stay hot, and there's a lot of time here, you've got all of August and all of September to try and make hay. You never know if Toronto can somehow get into that conversation. I don't think they're going to make up the eight games on Tampa Bay. Never say never, but I do think everything that they've done just to get back to the line of scrimmage, they're going to have to play better than they have ever played before. But they're home now which makes it interesting. Toronto is one of those teams that has been everywhere this year. Started the season in Dunedin, made their way to Buffalo for a month or so, and now finally get the go-ahead to come back to Rogers Center in Toronto with a staff that is ready to pitch, with an offense that is ready to hit, and now with the experiences of being to Helen back, ready to finally play baseball, meaningful baseball, in the final two months of this season. Question for you. I'm going to hit you up on Twitter, at Rob Fay, R-O-B-F is in Frank A-I. Do you think the Toronto Blue Jays are contenders, despite the fact that on the third day of August, they are eight games out of first, four games out of the wild card spot? I want to say yes. I really do. Seattle, by the way, 57 and 50, seven and a half games out. They're three out in the wild card. It is a team that is also very intriguing, six and four as well. Boy, Seattle and Toronto, expansion brothers, both playing good baseball right now as we head into August. It should make for some very enjoyable baseball watching coming down the stretch. A little closer to home, Vancouver Canadians getting ready to host the Hillsborough Hops in the first of a six-game series. Coming off a 3-1 ninth back on Sunday that led the Seas to a win in their series finale against the Spokane Indians. Three pitchers holding the Indians hitless over their final eight innings. Phil Clark, the former Vanderbilt standout, leading the offense with three hits, including his second home run of the season. Vancouver Canadians waking up this morning 35-43, and 43, 16 and a half games out of first place in the high A West standings. Okay, let's get to the NFL where the Rams right now wondering what the status of Matthew Stafford's thumb is after he accidentally hit his thumb on a helmet at the end of his throwing motion on one of those 11 on 11 series. Gotta remember, that's a surgically repaired thumb. And after wincing in pain for a couple of moments, Stafford was taken off the field. They taped up the right thumb, covered it with a towel. He did not leave the field at any point but it doesn't look like he's going to be throwing today. And that's not the only quarterback concern right now. As in Indianapolis, their starting quarterback is hurt. Carson Wentz late last week leaving practice with a twinge at his foot, and it ended up being a lot more worse than that. Looks like there was a bone fragment in his foot that had come loose, and that is five to as many as 12 weeks on the shelf for the Colts right now, who realize that if they have that quarterback behind center, could be formidable in the AFC. On the college circuit, it looks like Texas and Oklahoma are going to leave the Big 12. There is going to be SEC expansion as the SEC presidents meeting on Thursday to approve the additions in a unanimous vote. Texas and Oklahoma 
finalizing the moves in their Board of Regents meeting Friday morning, and this means that it is a 16-team super conference, and it definitely takes the SEC to unprecedented heights. And very quickly, back to the Olympic Games, I didn't realize this, but Kevin Durant, with his 29 points for Team USA, is the highest scorer for the United States in Olympic basketball history. More than Jordan, more than all of the greats to play for Team USA, Kevin Durant has scored more than all of them. USA with the 95-81 victory over Spain and will now take on either Australia or Argentina in the semifinals. Australia, by the way, did defeat the United States in an exhibition game in Las Vegas back in July. So you know that Drew Holiday, Damon Lillard, Zach Levine, Jason Tatum, Devin Booker, and the aforementioned Kevin Durant are going to want a little redemption. All right, let's take our break here. When we come back, we're going to switch gears. We're going to get into the world of support staff. Why in 2021 is a support staff for a professional franchise more important than ever before? And I mean ever before. You're listening to Sports Bar Radio. I am Rob Fay. back with more after this. You're listening to Sports Bar Radio with Rob Fay. brought to you by Equity Guru. Equity Guru, investment information for millennials and madmen. This segment is brought to you by The Gaming Stadium, Canada's pioneering leaders in online esports tournaments, specializing in tools for league operators, tournament streaming, venue management, and community building. TGS has become a global leader in esports events, sponsorship, and production. With regular online tourneys for Fortnite, Rainbow Six, Call of Duty, Rocket League, and more, visit www.thegamingstadium.com to sign up and play. For investor information, check out the ticker symbol TGS. Welcome back to Sports Bar Radio with host Rob Fay, brought to you by Equity.Guru. Hey everybody, welcome back to Sports Bar Radio. I'm Rob Fay. It is Tuesday and uh, I know a little slow to get back into the work week just for the simple fact that that extra day, that one day, it really does make a difference, doesn't it? I, You know what, it's funny, I keep, I always screw up the days. Like if it's Sunday, I think it's Saturday. If it's Monday, I think it's Sunday. It's just that extra day that throws everything into cahoots. But you know what? All of a sudden, you're going to look up and the calendar is going to say Thursday. And you'd be like, wow, we're almost to the weekend again. That is the perk of having that extra day on the back end. Um, I hope you had a safe one. And I hope you enjoyed your travels wherever you went. And if you didn't go anywhere like me, I hope you got away from the heat. Because it's been hot, man. It's been... I heard it rained, but yet it didn't rain where I live. I live in Port Coquitlam. It didn't rain at all here, uh, but I did see that it rained in Delta a little bit in Burnaby. I guess uh, just ran out of water before it finally got to where I live, but we could sure use some rain. I mean, I know that this is Vancouver and we sit here and we gripe about the rain all the time anyway, but I just think for the firefighters, for the plants, the trees, the wildlife, for everything, man. I could just use one day where I'll stay inside, read a book, maybe watch some movies or whatever. Just pour as much as you can. There you go. My one day of the year I ask for rain. So, okay, anyways, we'll, we'll move on. So, I know that this is usually a sports cast where we're talking about just scores and who signed what and who did what. But I was having a conversation, I guess, well, might have just been before the weekend, with regards to support staff. And the reason that the conversation came up is we're looking at Tokyo 2020 and just how many support staff are over there in so many different roles that we don't even know about. And I'm not going to sit here and wax on poetically about ushers and all the different support staff when you walk in, the ticket takers and all that. But it's more so in the life of an athlete today because 
you look at all of these different uh, Rolodexes of people that are now associated with organizations, mental specialists, and people that work with you on the physical side, the mental side, the emotional side, all of it. And this is what today is. Like, for example, in Vancouver a couple of years ago, Mike Gillis, who was the general manager at the time, was the guy that brought in the sleep doctor to make sure that the Vancouver Canuck hockey players were sleeping optimally and getting the most out of their rest. And I remember when this first started shifting, how many people kind of rolled their eyes and we thought about this as maybe the future. Well, the future is now. And if anything, players are going beyond what the organizations are doing and starting to create their own support staff more so than ever before. Like, for example, in the offseason several years ago, Shaquille O'Neal would come to Vancouver, to West Vancouver specifically, and work out there and get his training and his rehab there. Because some of the best doctors in North America, if not the world, resided in that neck of the woods. But you talk about Shaquille O'Neal, whether he was playing with Orlando or Phoenix or the Los Angeles Lakers, all of the different places that these guys travel to truly optimize their physique, their body, and that brief window of time that they get to play at the game's highest level. And I just wonder if sometimes the, the casual fan realizes how much goes into the business of sport. We sit here and we talk about salary caps and we talk about the years that are on contracts and how it benefits the roster, but you think of all of the things that go on behind the scenes. And I'm going to bring a couple of names to the forefront that I think will explain this a little more in its entirety. So, for example, you take a look at a player like Michael Furland. Michael Furland, a couple of years ago, when the Vancouver Canucks signed him, uh, thought that he was going to be that guy. As a Brian Burke fan would want to say, truculence, belligerism. He was the guy that's supposed to come up, shake things up, protect the superstars, and again, score a couple of goals in the meantime. But then the concussion symptoms came back after he received a concussion. And it ended up being years before he finally this year decided that he wasn't going to do it. He wasn't going to take it on anymore. He has it officially, officially retired, but he's definitely going to go on the long term again. And that will free up some money for Vancouver, which the casual fan appreciates. But when you think of what Michael Furland has had to take on in the background, behind the scenes, to not necessarily get back to the NHL, but try to get back to common health. And there are people associated with the Vancouver Canucks organization who have been involved with this from top to bottom, making sure that his progress towards even just a normal life, much less the NHL, is available to him. You don't hear about those guys very often or those ladies very often, do you? You hear about the head coach and maybe the trainer and dare we say the medical and the physician or the dentist, but there are so many more people and more organizations that work collectively to protect these athletes and help them enhance their lives or at least try to live a regular life. And I just wonder if when you buy a ticket, you realize truly where that dollar is going because we always bitch about the owners when things don't go well because we assume that it goes directly into the owner's pocket. But I can assure you this. The money that you spend on a ticket not just goes to the players and not just goes to the owner and not just goes to the stadium and the support staff, but it goes to the sports staff beyond just the ones that we know about. There are so many organizations that are working with these players, that are working with the coaching staffs, that are working with everybody. And uh, I actually still to my heart of hearts believe that that is money well spent because you look at wrestling, for example. Let's get away from Michael Furland for a second and just talk about wrestling. All of these wrestlers who have had concussions, who have had these things that they've had to fight through, all their back injuries and knee surgeries. And, you know, you look at a, a, a big organization like World Wrestling Entertainment, this is the, I guess, the gold standard 
when it comes to wrestling. I mean, AEW right now has got a little bit of a pop to it, but when we think of what the standard has been for generations now, it has been the WWE, who have spent millions upon millions and millions of dollars protecting this generation of their athletes. Now, they didn't used to do a very good job of it, and I think they would openly admit that they had room to improve, but they have. You think of all the people that have had substance abuse, and you think of a, a guy like Scott Hall, who, you know, a lot of people don't realize this, but the WWE sank hundreds of thousands of dollars into his multiple rehabs as they try to get him back to health. And I don't know, I, I guess I just sit back and I bring these points up because you could talk about this in basketball and football and baseball, and I know that you're going to sit back and say, well, the NFL didn't do much with concussions. Maybe the league itself didn't, but trust me, when a player got concussed while they were within their organization, they took steps to make sure that that player could find his way back to at least short-term health, and then it was on the NFL to hopefully provide them with funding or something that they could do to take care of their life beyond the game. I guess the reason that I bring it up is because in this day and age, you look at the kids that are getting developed right now, and it is still, for the large part, and this has to do with budgets and budget constraints, not enough is available to amateur athletes, to those who are aspiring to become professionals, because once you get to the pro rank, hey, it's all systems go, everybody's there to support you uh, in more ways than we know, as I just mentioned, but for the amateur athletes, for these Olympians, for all of these people that are aspiring to get to that game's highest level or that sport's highest level, are we doing enough to educate our kids on the mental health challenges? Are we doing enough to prepare them for the possibility of a concussion and what that concussion looks like? Or if there's an injury that they sustain, how do they not just rehab back from it, but how do they live their life in the event that it doesn't lead them towards the brightest lights of Major League Baseball or Major League Soccer or what have you? I just think that as we talk about support staff and so many people behind the scenes that we don't know about, we also have to work a little bit harder to prepare this generation's kids as to how they can prepare. Like, for example, I remember when I was playing amateur baseball and I went down to Indiana. Brief. I was there for one semester. I just wanted to fulfill a dream, for lack of a better phrase. And I remember when I hurt my arm, I, it was actually just before I went down to school. I was throwing a javelin in my senior year. I was also playing baseball in my senior year. And I remember shortly after getting to school, my arm really started to hurt. I had obviously hurt something in my shoulder, which led to my elbow. And half of that season while I was pitching down there and, and flunking out of school at the same time, how am I going to be able to rehab this? There was no rehab at our school. There was basically a trainer that was there to fill the water cups and dare we say, give you the odd massage just to try and loosen up your arm. So I remember starting to pop Advils, and I would pop, you know, two, three, four Advils within an hour span or two hour span, because I just wanted to get through that game. And I would pitch my three innings or my four innings or my five innings. And then obviously you would just feel it after. But I remember I got to one game and I had six at once. And I just remember thinking in that moment that that was probably the baddest that it got and after that i immediately stopped cold turkey i was just like i can't do advils again because i felt disoriented i didn't feel good i felt like i was my mouth was dry everything was wrong and i didn't pitch well anyway and it still hurt after that so the reason i tell you that story isn't to tell you that i overcame anything but it's just there to show you that if you were to fast forward 20 years and that situation was a little bit different and i think that's why a lot of kids in that day and age panicked but 
Anyways, long and the short of it is I just look at all these kids within the BC Hockey League, uh, even the guys that I cover when I'm broadcasting the Fraser Valley Bandits professional basketball team, and I see the support staffs that are now surrounding them, and it makes me happy. It makes me happy to know that these kids have the option to go and communicate with people and speak to them and learn about the sport from the mental aspect, the physical aspect, the emotional aspect, and, and truly build because sport, you know, sport is a great thing. But I also think there's so many people behind the scenes that you don't know about uh, on the mental side of this equation now that are making really big differences in the game, be it the NHL, be it the NFL, uh, working with people that have depression, working with Olympians that are struggling right now. And I think to myself, that's where this sport needed to go. It's not about the tough guy mentality anymore. It's about making sure that you are optimal uh, in all facets of your life so that you can truly do things that nobody's done before. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big thing. So anyways, we'll, we'll take our break here. I just wanted to really quickly squeeze that into the show that as you see these teams and you see these athletes thriving and achieving great things, it's largely in part because organizations like even the Toronto Blue Jays, really quickly, I'll just squeeze this one in. You think of a guy like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. who obviously let his health slip away a little bit. He was eating a little bit too much, taking it a little too easy. And again, he was 19, 20. That's what kids do when all of a sudden they become that guy. Um, but the Blue Jays didn't quit on him. They didn't just say, okay, well, this is a guy that's not going to fit our profile. They worked with him on his diet. They worked with him on the mental game. They brought in translators to make sure that he felt comfortable speaking publicly and within his organization. They did all of the little things behind the scenes to make sure that when he was in front of the cameras and on the field, that he could optimize those opportunities. That is, again, money spent by the organization, but money that we don't usually see. And then all of a sudden the guy's got 30 home runs and you're like well wow this guy really broke out he found his stride well you know before you get to the plate and hit that ball 450 feet there were a lot of things behind the scenes uh, to make sure that that player was ready to go when he finally took to the field so that's why i brought it up to tip my cap to all of those people behind the scenes that are making big differences in our athletes life and we need to fund them especially at the amateur level to make sure that it's not just pros that are getting this but it's amateur athletes university athletes college athletes and dare we say even local athletes like myself who never at that time had anything more than a guy that would teach you a grip between a fastball and a curveball and um yeah, it's good to see that sport is going in the right direction on that front. All right, we'll take our break here. When we come back, I want to try to get you a little money. Good segue, isn't it? Let's look at some of the games that are coming up right now and some of the odds that are on them, and let's see if you and I can't make a little money together. You're listening to Sports Bar Radio. Every show is brought to you by my good friends at Equity Guru. We'll be back after this. You're listening to Sports Bar Radio with Rob Fay, brought to you by Equity Guru. Equity Guru, investment information for millennials and madmen. This segment is brought to you by Cybin Inc., a pharmaceutical biotech company running clinical trials on using psilocybin thin strips to treat major depression. Their stock has more than doubled in the past month as the company rolls from milestone to milestone. And the company now has four formulations rolling through clinical trials as they uplist to the New York Stock Exchange. Their ticker symbol, CYBN. For more information, visit www.equity.guru. Did you lose your seat? That's okay. I have a better one up front. 
Welcome back to Sports Bar Radio with Rob Fay. All right, final segment of Sports Bar Radio for your Tuesday. Appreciate you hanging out with me today. Already some feedback over the weekend on our sister podcast, NEW Wrestle Nation. They came in at number one in Canada. Not a bad start for the boys. Mike Paris, Bowman, and the Stanchion White Art, congratulations. A part of the family, and to see them off and running doing so well, a tremendous debut. You can't do any better than number one. And uh, yeah, looking forward to the next episode, which comes up on August the 10th. All right, let's make you a little bit of money. I got three good games coming up, and I think I can make you a little bit of money. Want to bet? tell you how many times I've had to break up shoving matches between two guys fighting over what team they think will win the big game. Boys, you want to know who locks and who the long shots are? Why didn't you just ask? Okay, so let's start on the diamond. Houston Astros getting ready to take on the Los Angeles Dodgers, and let's just say the Astros are facing a mountain named Walker Bueller. The Dodgers opening it up at minus 175, so Vegas thinks that this is a lock. Walker Bueller in his last outing, allowing only three hits, two walks over seven scoreless innings. LA hammered the Giants 8 nothing. Bueller is 11-1 on the season. He's got an ERA just a smidgen above two, 139 strikeouts in over 135 innings, and he has allowed one earned run or less in nine of his last 14 starts. So let's just say Lance McCullers Jr. and the Houston Astros, an uphill battle, and it gets worse for Houston. McCullers Jr., who's on the mound to start this game, allowed four earned runs in last Tuesday's 8-6 win over the Mariners. Before those two starts, he had allowed two earned runs or less in each of his previous six outings. So the question is, will you get McCullers from about two weeks ago, or will you get the more recent McCullers Jr., who has struggled against some pretty decent teams offensively? I'm going to say that the Dodgers are going to win this one. The over-under is eight. I'm going to take the under in this one. And I'm going to take the Dodgers despite the minus 175. Takes a lot to make a little, but this one is as close to a lock as you will find on the diamond today. UFC 265 is getting close. That one coming up on August the 7th. And it's a great championship card, which includes Derek Lewis taking on Cyril Gain. Now, Gain is the favorite and a sizable favorite at minus 330. Lewis is plus 250 as an underdog. And let me really quickly explain what that means. It means that you would need to bet $330 to make 100 with a gain win. Well, if you bet $100 on Lewis, you would make 250 bucks on it. So that's why you have the minus 330 for the favorite and the plus 250 for the underdog. Here's why I think the underdog is a really interesting bet in this one. Sure, gain is the favorite and gain is the heavy favorite. But this is Derek Lewis at home. UFC 265 is in Houston, Texas, and that is why Lewis is on the marquee. Unfortunately, Gain is a perfect 9-0 and looks, and looks awesome every time he gets into the octagon. He's got three knockouts, three submissions, and three decisions. Lewis is the self-proclaimed knockout king amongst his 25 pro wins, 20 have ended by the way of the knockout. So you can make a little bit of money if you want to take zero gain at minus 330. Again, you got to place $330 down to make 100 bucks. But Derek Lewis at home with huge odds, I got to think that maybe that's one that's going to slip under the carpet and you might be able to make a little bit of money if those odds stay the way that they are. 
And although it is two months away, betting already starting for Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. The trilogy will be completed. Tyson Fury opening up at minus 290. Deontay Wilder opening up at plus 225. I think that this is anybody's pick, and I'm really surprised at Deontay Wilder being so available at plus 225. Yes, he looked out of sorts in the second fight. After getting dropped several times, he looked rough. The towel got thrown in in the seventh. But if Deontay Wilder can hit early and conserve his energy, you might be able to make a little money on this one. Look, Tyson Fury at minus 290 is a favorite for a reason. Looks good, looks composed. Wilder has been very quiet in this one, but his training, according to some, has been better than it's ever been. And the only reason you might want to go against him is if this goes to the scorecards, he's not going to win. He's got to knock out Tyson Fury, and I think he's going to do it. The plus 225 is good money where I'm standing, so I'm going to go against the grain and take that one. But again, those lines will change two months away before we get that fight. All right, let's wrap up your Tuesday edition of Sports Bar Radio. My thanks to Jay Swing, my brother from another. Thank you for always being so great on the production of this show. And my thanks to everybody at Equity Guru. Chris Perry, I want to thank Galen, J.P. Chung, and the irreplaceable Priscilla Choi. We'll be back at this tomorrow. Looking forward to having a conversation with you right around lunchtime. That's where you'll find us. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Sports Bar Radio, always a part of your lunchtime listen. Until we do this again less than 24 hours from now, I am Rob Fay. Have yourself a great day. Sports Bar Radio was brought to you by Equity Guru, investment information for the new generation. Visit us at equity.guru and let's make some money together. Please note, any mention of companies on this podcast is part of a promotional campaign, and the information you hear should be a part of extensive due diligence. As well, always get advice from an accredited financial advisor before you make any investment decision. Protect yourself.